Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Ned Brockman, a foul-mouthed electrician from Australia, was a casual weekend runner, starting in lockdown as a way to stay fit and lose weight, until one day in 2023, at the age of 24, he decided to run across the width of Australia, from Perth to Sydney, approximately 4,000 kilometres, averaging around about 100 kilometres per day. It took him 46 days and change to complete this amazing feat. In his recently released book, Ned's catchphrase is on display repeatedly. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. I'll finish what I started. Keep showing up again tomorrow. A bad day tells you that something better is on the way. Keep showing up. Why would he keep showing up through the grueling pain and agony of barely getting any sleep, running on injuries unlike anything else, all while at risk of being run over by 30-ton long-haul trucks on the open desert road of the unforgiving terrain that is Australia. His purpose was to raise a million dollars for homeless uh, through the organization Mobilize. Through his run, he raised over $2.5 million dollars. He also directly had a massive impact on homelessness in his local community. Ned ran with a purpose. He built habits into his life that made him disciplined in all that he did. What about you? Are you running the race of life with purpose and discipline? Today's passage articulates exactly that. Paul is writing to the letter, uh, a letter to the church in Corinth to a community not too dissimilar to that of our culture here and now. He is helping them understand the end goal and the habits that are needed to get there. Let us read together 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training, They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but you do it for an eternal prize. So run with purpose in every step. I am not shadow boxing. I am disciplined in my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I will fear that after preaching others, myself, I will be disqualified. Whether you like it or not, we are all made to be a part of a race of life, whether you look like it or not. The race that Paul is talking about is not a physical race that starts on the 1st of January 2024. It is the race of life. It's not a sprint. It's a long race, a lifelong race. Paul is calling us to be disciplined, to train well, to run with purpose. In Ned's journey across Australia, it took almost two years from having the idea until he actually set off from the start line. There was a preparation that took place. He had the support of a team. The same is true for us in our lives. We run this race 
We need to be prepared and we have the Holy Spirit to support us in all that we do. Without these things, we will fail the journey. As followers of Christ, we have the fruit of the Spirit. And Galatians 5.22 tells us that they are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When Paul encourages us to be disciplined in 1 Corinthians 9, he is using the verb variation of the exact same root word described in Galatians 5, talking about the fruit of the Spirit to be self-controlled. Understanding this reminds us that we are not on our own. It is the Holy Spirit at work within us that allows us to be disciplined and self-controlled in the way that we live our lives. Galatians 5.25 then eloquently states, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Why is it that Paul is talking about this and how does this all relate to the habits that we hold in our lives? Earlier in chapter 9, Paul is defending his position as an apostle to the people in Corinth. And he uses this conversational point to get back to them about, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more of them. He is talking about the end goal. He knows his purpose. He is living a life that is eternally focused. He wants to point people to Jesus. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. And it is here that Paul then launches in today's passage. We all run in a race, run to win, be disciplined. We do it for an eternal prize. Run with purpose in every step. It is now that it comes clear why this is important for us to understand as we navigate the habits that help us grow. I'm not wanting to give you four steps to have effective habits in your life. If you want to do that, go read Atomic Habits, a great book. But what we learn through Paul's encouragement is that we must understand that habits are not the end goal. Habits are the means by which we achieve our end goal. Paul has a foundational focus, an eternal end goal. He is focusing on his identity here. I am a slave to all, he says in his identity statement, so that I might win more of them, his end goal. He is running a race with purpose. He is disciplined. His focus is not on the perishable things, but on the eternal things. What is the purpose that you hold in the race that you run? Is it to be the best parent, to live a life of integrity, to be an advocate for Jesus in the marketplace, to be a faithful follower of Jesus? Paul knew his purpose. He had habits to make it happen. At the beginning of last year, I started seeing a new spiritual director. Somebody who intentionally asks questions to stir my faith, to navigate faith formation in my life, I would highly recommend. In one of our opening conversations, he helped me to understand that one of the foundational beliefs that I had held for a very long time was restricting me in my growth and pursuit of Jesus. The foundational lie that I had begun to believe was that as a professional Christian, I had therefore meant to pray and read every day. And if I did not, I was failing as a professional Christian. 
that made it harder for me to swallow since the days of me studying as a pastor where, where I believed that I had begun to believe this lie. I have always struggled in that space to be consistent in my devotional times. Growing up, I had held that the three answers to everything were Jesus, read your Bible, and pray. This had been a wrestle for me, literally causing me to cry out to God saying, I still love you. Please don't hate me for spending not enough time in your word. Help me to be more disciplined. The only problem was that the habit would only last a short time before I would become rocky again and all the while I would still be reading scripture and for sermons or for talking and encouraging our young people or I had a professional understanding of scripture but not a personal understanding. That was the struggle. In and amongst this conversation, I happened to be listening to a podcast called Discipleship Aotearoa where they talked about this idea of faith as a tightrope or a playground. I grew up with a tightrope mentality, meaning you are absolutely all in or absolutely all out. Like a circus actor walking this thin, absolute tightrope, you were either absolutely safe or absolutely falling. But at a moment's notice, when you put your foot wrong, disaster. The counter to this mentality is a playground mentality, a place of boundaries, bumps, and bruises. God has created us all to be uniquely wired. And when we step into the playground, we each have the opportunity to choose what we go and do first. The slide, the monkey bars, or if you're like my daughter, you go straight to the swings. No one, is, no one activity is better than another. They cater differently to the ways that we are all wired. Harper loves the swings. Archer loves the slides. Both are correct. Unlike the tightrope, when you fall off the swings or the monkey bars, the result is not an absolute disaster. It may result in a bump or a bruise, but provides a safe space to get up, go again, and learn. And like every parent looks for in a good playground, it is fenced in meaning that there are boundaries for us to play within to allow for safety. How does this fit into this whole idea of faith and our habits? Why is it that I'm describing a playground and a tightrope to you? Let us translate what I've described. The playground and the tightrope are our approaches to our relationship with God, the habits that we have and the way, we which, way in which we build our relationship. We can choose to have a tightrope relationship where our Sunday school answer is strictly Jesus. Read the Bible and pray. Any addition, subtraction, deviation or, or, or a change to those or forgetting to uh, read your Bible or forgetting to pray before a meal it, it ends in devastating disaster. Starting again. Or we can choose a playground mentality where we still have the answers of Jesus, read your Bible and pray. But in which way you do that is uniquely the way in which you're gifted and wired. You choose to worship in nature, spending time in silence with Jesus, the swings. Or you choose to attend a Bible study, the seesaw. Or you choose to do a gratitude journal, the slide and so on. The beauty of this is the way that we fall off the slide the way in which we make mistakes, 
but all the time that we are still on the playground. We are still on the journey. We are still learning, growing, and drawing closer into relationship with Christ if we choose to stay in the boundaries of the playground. Things that we need to notice about this is that the key to understanding this mentality is that the analogy of the tightrope is performed alone, whereas a playground is a communal space like the way that God has wired and created us for, faith together. Which would you prefer, a tightrope or a playground? In addition to the playground, it is not a universal space where you can just go on living your life as normal and go, oh, but that's a spiritual discipline. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say, there is a cost to discipleship. Cheap grace is a grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. Costly grace is the treasure hidden in a field. For the sake of it, a man will gladly go, sell all he has. It is costly because it costs a man his life. What does your love for Jesus cost you? Is it your time? Is it being comfortable? Does your discipline and discipleship to Jesus cost you your life? My spiritual director at the time encouraged me as well around this exact process, which is where I rediscovered this very book here, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. For the first, in la- or for the la- yeah, for the first six months of last year, I started doing centered prayer. A spiritual discipline where all you do is focus and sit in the presence of God, in silence, thinking about nothing. The whole purpose is centering myself back on Him. At any time, if a thought pops into my mind, I let it go and come back to the centering phrase of God is good or Jesus is King. The key is not to say the phrase as many times as you can, but instead to center yourself on Jesus. I have started getting more and more into the word by starting a dad's home group where we together would engage around scripture, discussing how it applies to our lives as dads and as men. More recently, I have learned about habit stacking. This is where you attach a new habit to an existing habit that is already successful. I currently go to the gym around five days a week. Three of those days I was going with a guy from our connect group. And I said to him, let's start reading the Bible at the end of every gym session. That expanded to reading it to uh, the, the Bible with anybody that I would be going with. And then eventually when I would go by myself, I would read it after every gym session. I was attaching this habit to something that already exists. You may be thinking of this analogy of tightrope and playground and how it can get loose What is stopping it from becoming something that you call worship like, oh, I'm fasting, but actually it's a dietary thing. How is that actually a spiritual discipline? This is where we point back to our scripture for today. The habit is not the end goal. Paul is not saying let's become runners. No, whether we like it or not, we're in this race. We are running the habit. And it means it is the means by which we get to the finish line. Equally, I do not read my Bible to become a Bible reader. I do not pray to mumble words. I do it all for the discipline that it provides in me and how it points me to Jesus, for who it makes me more like, Jesus. 
Let us run to win. Let us be disciplined and let us run with purpose. Remembering the bigger eternal picture are the habits of our life building our relationship with Jesus or breaking it? Are the habits of our life pointing to Jesus? That runner, Ned Brockman, said, I don't enjoy running. It is what the discipline of running produces in me that I enjoy. Shockingly, the religious habits of Christianity for me is not what I enjoy. It is the constant pursuit of Jesus and how that shapes me, forms me, and guides me in my life. That is what I crave. Let the habits and pursuit of Jesus be what shapes your identity. Rather than a habit itself, we know we are all in a race. Let us run. Let us run with purpose to see Christ and the purpose and discipline that he produces in us. Only then will we see growth that comes through the habits. Let us pray. Father, thank you that we can pursue you. Lord, thank you that you have made us each individually gifted and wired to engage with you in our own unique way. Father, we pray that as we come into this new year, 2024, help us to form and shape habits that help us in our eternal goal. Father, to live for you, to spend eternity with you. Lord, I pray that our lives would be pointing towards you. Lord, that we would be shaped and molded by who you are. Lord, let us not forget the habit is not the end goal. You are the end goal. Lord, we pray that we would be able to pursue you with all that we have. Help us to run with purpose in every step. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for how you are shaping us. Be with us, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.